If you'll turn back in your Bibles this morning to Ruth, we look to the second chapter of Ruth as we continue on what I have called our action and adventure series for the brothers, young and old, as we look at what the Word of God says about godly character in men. And specifically, we're talking about young men, even young fellas who anticipate one day being um, a husband. Some very, very important things that we must learn. And us, those of us who are uh, in the midst of being husbands or whatever our status may be, these are characteristics that apply to men across the board. So don't forget that. So we started talking last week, and I told you we would continue that, if Lord willing. Uh, we talked about the prince or the pauper, which is from the book of Ruth. And we used Boaz as our example of a prince. And we looked to the near kinsman as the example of a, of a pauper or a penny pincher. Or you've got a charitable man, charitable man on one side and El Chipo you know, on the other side. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it does, I'm not knocking saving money and being frugal. I'm not, I'm not knocking that, but I'm talking about when it comes to how you interact with uh, a young lady or one who you, uh, whether, whether it's one you think you may be married to or not, this is just general principles of how men should interact and view women. And I, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody listened to this out in the secular world and said, well, that's the most... Uh, chauvinistic thing I've ever heard. Well, you know, that's one of those culturally defined things like Brother McNeil was talking about. Uh, I don't care if it sounds chauvinistic. If we're coming from the Bible, it's not chauvinistic. It is actually God's heart to us on how we should be. So we talked about the sisters a few weeks ago. Now we're talking about the young man. Okay, we talked about how it should be the goal of a young man or, or a man of any age whether he's looking for a wife or not, because remember, Boaz was not making a move on Ruth. He was not doing this in order to gain her as a wife to begin with. He was just doing what was right, and he provided for her. And you recall we left off in verse 13 of Ruth 2 where Ruth responds, and this should be the goal of every man and little fellow, middle-aged, whatever it may be, to bring this type of reaction to the women or girls, mothers, grandmothers, sisters, whatever it may be, this should be the type of reaction that, uh, that we should be looking for, men and fellas. It says that she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me. And the word comfort means to breathe a sigh of relief. I know... Poor women today who are stressed out, maxed out in their emotional range and just at their wits end because there are men in their life or men who have left their lives and they never understood this right here. She says, you have comforted me. You have caused me to breathe a sigh of relief. Now, I can't sit here and tell you that that has always been the reaction that I have elicited out of the, uh, my wife and the girls in my life and sisters in the church or whatever. I can't say that's the way it's always been, but that ought to be our goal, you see? You think about the opposite of that, to be stressed out, to be at wit's end, to be physically ill even from time to time. 
But Boaz, and, and look, we're not setting the standard so high. Well, yeah, you know, nobody will ever live up to the standard of Boaz. Boaz was just a sinner like you and me. He was just a man. He was probably in his early 40s when this is happening because he is obviously a bachelor and probably late 30s, early 40s. Ruth was probably late 20s, early 30s. If you do the time frames there. So regardless of what age, you say, well, he's a little older. He's a little more mature. Well, you know, it's, it, we ought to be maturing as we get older. That's for sure, whoever we are. But at the same time, it's not just because he's an older man that he's able to be this way. But she says, you have, you have caused me to breathe a sigh of relief. Because, brothers, we don't always know what's going on in the life of our sisters in the church, our physical sisters, our mothers, our grandmothers, our wives. We don't always know what's going on. But it ought to be our goal to bring that sigh of relief instead of that stressed out situation. Now I want you to notice that Boaz, he provided for her. There's three things, to provide, to protect, and to preserve. It almost sounds like, you know, law enforcement, doesn't it? (laughs) But it's even more important, and as important as law enforcement is, this is even more important. To provide, to protect, and preserve. So he provides for her immediately, immediate need. She was hungry. She was hungry. And he says, first of all, he says, don't go to any other field to glean. Stay right here. So that was an immediate need that was provided for her. Because she's out there begging. And so then he says, after she responds, she falls down on her feet. Uh, down, she falls down on her face and, and says, why have I found favor? Then he blesses her in the verses preceding verse 13 and then she responds again and says you've caused me to breathe a sigh of relief and then Boaz says at mealtime verse 14 come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar now to my kids it was not apple cider vinegar so don't think he was playing a joke on her my kids hate apple cider vinegar (laughs) although it can be good for you in certain circumstances but anyway shameless plug in there for ACV Uh, this was some type of mixture that was there for lunch that was very good. Maybe you've been to an Italian restaurant. I remember the first time I went to an Italian restaurant, this lady comes and she pours some oil into a little plate and she puts some pepper on it. And I'm thinking, ah, I just don't know about this. That just doesn't look very good. And I took that piece of bread and I dipped it in there. That's one of the best things I ever tasted in my life. And I think I ate the whole loaf of bread. (laughs) You know, this is something very good. The other gleaners, the other beggars were not getting to participate in what Ruth is about to participate in. (laughs) You see, he met her immediate physical needs. And I want you to notice this and listen very carefully. As soon as he began to do these things, as soon as he addressed her and he said, don't go to another field at mealtime, come here and and eat at the table or at the, um, the blanket or the picnic or whatever they were having out there in the field. He said, come and eat with my reapers. I want you to understand that he began to immediately incur loss. He began to feel it in his pocketbook. That's just part of sacrifice. You're going to feel a pinch. But notice he didn't sit there like Nabal. Remember Nabal? Nabal said to the anointed of God, to David, Nabal said, shall I take my water and my bread that I have for my shearers and my flocks and share with somebody? He just spit in the face of the anointed of God. And here, if you'll notice, notice what Boaz says in verse 14. Watch, watch the language. At mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread. That's, you might say, that's my bread, Boaz. 
and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. It's his vinegar. It's my vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers and he reached her parched corn and she did eat and was sufficed. You see, a totally different attitude out of Boaz than Nabal. You see, uh, Nabal was keeping those things for himself because he was a selfish, conceited, arrogant man who could not see the forest for the trees. Boaz understood that the, the resources that he had were not his own. And what he did have was for the use and, and assistance and ministry to others. That is daylight and dark. Amen? It's daylight and dark. He was not selfish and arrogant. He was caring and kind. And he knew how to bring a sigh of relief to those that were in his life. Could you imagine the emotional range of, of Ruth as she's sitting there, she's nervous that morning and she doesn't know if these, somebody might beat her up or these, the men that are reaping the fields might just chase her off. Get out of here. We got enough beggars here. We don't need another beggar. And she's already nervous and she looks different. And then Boaz addresses her and you can just see her begin to relax and begin to, oh my goodness, this is such a relief. Men, I tell you, to my own shame, I tell you to my own sin and shame that that ought to be the way that we interact with the ladies and wives and mothers and grandmothers in our lives. Every single day to bring a sigh of relief to them because whether you know it or not, they're under stress. And whether you know it or not, most of the stress they're under is because of you. (laughs) You see, he was relieving her. He incurred immediate loss. You know, it's just a little side, it's really not a side trail, but you, know, you ever heard of going Dutch? <laughs> well, d- when it comes to my girls, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice in this room or on the podcast that ever comes over and says, well, hey, you know, what are y'all doing tonight? Oh, we're going Dutch. Well, just forget it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Going Dutch means, you, you know, she's going to pay her way, he's going to pay his way. <laughs> that doesn't exist in my, uh, my culture. That doesn't exist in my culture. If you want to court or date or take one of my girls out to eat, there will be no going Dutch. Now, you may be poorer than Job's turkey and me slip you a 20 behind the scene, but you're going to pay for it. Lord knows I paid for enough of them. <laughs> That's not why. <laughs> but that is, that is a distant characteristic of this right here. He's not telling Ruth, well, you can pay me back later, you know, when y'all get some money coming in. Mm-mm. Not happening. And look, I'm not, I only have my experience to go by, but I remember when I met Sister Tracy, she was kind of poorer than Job's turkey. <laughs> but anyway, uh, she didn't have, she was in college and she was working and she, you know, she had a car that was broken down. And, and I, I, my, I thought, I listened to that. I was like, now what's your situation? And I wanted to relieve her. I even let her borrow one of the, she wasn't too excited about it, but let her borrow one of the cars that, I, that we had there that wasn't even being used <laughs> because her car needed to be worked on. I felt an immediate need to relieve any stress that she had. I tell you, that makes a difference in your life, men, if that's your daily goal. But if you're walking around like Nabal and thinking it's all about you and it's all, you're the man and you've got it going on and everybody needs to serve you, then you're not even going to see whenever destruction rains down on your head. You see? So he immediately relieved her. She just gets, oh, she just, I can just see her breathing sigh of relief after sigh of relief. And then imagine whenever she works all that morning and it's lunchtime and she comes and she's probably wide eyed thinking, do I really get to sit down here at the picnic with the reapers and, and actually eat what they're eating, which was so much better than whatever they had out there in the hot sun? 
Notice it says that they, she came and she sat and she ate of the bread and dipped her morsel in the vinegar. She sat beside the reapers. That was unheard of for a beggar or a gleaner to come and do that. And he reached her popcorn as I was reading parched corn. I was thinking, you know, this is like the first popcorn in a movie. But there's no movie. There's no air conditioning. There's no building. There's no, t- there's no screen. But, but there's popcorn there. So he, that's what parched corn is. It's popcorn. And I could just see him slipping a thing of popcorn over there in front of her. That, that was a tasty thing. Put a little salt on it, a little butter on it. It's delicious. I'm a popcorn fanatic. I'd eat it every night if I didn't have enough sense not to. And she ate, and she was sufficed. She reached in the popcorn bowl. You know, they're sharing popcorn. And it says when she was risen up to glean, I want you to notice this. Whenever she rose up to glean, he didn't stop. You know, just doing this in her presence and relieving her and providing for her. When he's, this is not romantically motivated. Not romantically motivated. So he relieves her. And then after she gets up and she goes back out there, I can just see him just sitting there watching her. She left the picnic area. And she goes back out to work, you know, which he greatly admired, by the way. So this is an industrious young woman. She's taking care of my poor relative, uh, Naomi, who is in a bad position. And not only that, she is my, uh, even Ruth, in a sense, you know, would have been a, uh, a relative in-law, you know, as a widow. And so even behind the scenes, he begins to continue to help her. Now, you... I told you we're going to kind of extrapolate some lessons out of this. And I want you to think about this, young men. Even now, whatever your age may be, you behind the scenes can be preparing yourself to be a Boaz one day. It might be finding the best type of job that suits you at this point in your life. It might be continuing or going to school for a period of time and equipping yourself. But that is, that's what Boaz is doing. He is going behind the scenes to make sure that she continues to be provided for. I wonder if somewhere deep down inside, you know, as, as he continued to do this, you know, I, I don't know because it seems like he was pretty shocked in the next chapter whenever she, he finds her, you know, at the at the threshing room floor. It was like it was a shock and a surprise to him. But I wonder, as he sat there and he watched her walk off, you know, he thought, this is a wonderful young woman. You know, maybe the, maybe the romantic feelings began to take root at that point. He just, nah, you know, I'm just going to keep on doing what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm too old of a guy for this, this young woman to be interested in me. <laughs> I've, heard men, I've heard guys say that. Oh, nobody would ever be interested in me. Well, I'm living proof that that's not the case. <laughs> Everybody has felt that way. You say, well, I really feel down and depressed that nobody would be interested in me. Then come and let me uh, let you come to our farm and drive a tractor on the back 40 all summer and cut hay, fluff hay, rake hay, bale hay, uh, uh, time and time and go around and around and around and around and then see how you feel. (laughs) You think you're depressed now and think nobody will know who you are on the face of the earth? Come do that for a while. I did that every summer for years. I thought I'm a nobody. Nobody cares about me. I, you know, I, if I was dating somebody, I can't see my girlfriend out here on the back 40. You know, I felt just like the Lone Ranger. But you're not. You're not. If you take in these characteristics, incorporate these into your life, and work on these characteristics, you're not the Lone Ranger. Boaz felt the same way. He was an older guy. Thought nobody's going to be interested in me. He was continuing to provide for her meet her emotional needs, meet her physical needs behind the scenes. Now, before we leave this provision, I want you to look at verse 11. After, after Ruth falls on her face 
and says, why have I found grace in your eyes? The first time, notice what Boaz says. He praises her godliness. He praises her virtue. He says, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, that's Jehovah, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, Jehovah Elohim of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now, I don't believe he was being romantic when he said that, but that's some pretty romantic language, isn't it? You young, you young ladies, if, if you meet a man and he acts like Boaz and he talks like this and he says, the Lord, think it's like this. Where do you go to church? Oh, I go to church over there at Bethlehem. And you go every Sunday? Yes, I go every Sunday. I go Wednesday nights too. Well, the Lord bless you for being faithful to the God of Israel. Well, do you study your Bible? Yeah, I study my Bible. I try to study it every day. Well, the Lord bless you and recompense you for that kind of wonderful activity that you have going on. And may the Lord uh, recompense you and uh, the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. He's talking to you like that. Let me tell you something. That guy may be a keeper. Talking that spiritual talk. You say, well, that's just not what the world's talking. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now you're getting it. Now you're getting warmer. You're getting closer to the point. It's not tick-tock. Listen. I just brokered a settlement on a criminal case last week where three young people, two males and a female, broke into one of our service stations over in, um, in our county, one of my favorite places to go. No, it wasn't the Zion Mall. That's, that's one of them, but it wasn't the Zion Mall. It was another place. And as we dug into the details and they stole all kinds of money and all kinds of stuff out of there, so we start working on getting that thing worked out. And so the young woman, I mean, I've never seen her before. I don't know her. And I understand she's going back to a state far, far away. And I was like, well, that's weird. Never seen these people from Tuscaloosa County. And I was like, well, why is she going so far away? And so her lawyer said, well, she met this guy on TikTok. Thought he looked cool. He's doing some kind of, I need to be nice, doing some kind of silly dance or something. Probably no telling what he was doing. Saw him on TikTok, thought he was cool, drove down from five, three states away, here for four or five days, and lo and behold, breaks into a place and gets two felony charges in that short period of time. Is that not the opposite end of the spectrum of what we're talking about right here? You're not going to find this guy and, and this girl on TikTok. You're not going to find them there. You're not going to find them in places like that. You're going to find them in places like this. You're going to find them in going to meetings just like they did a hundred years ago. There's some of you that are old enough to go back to remember that, right? And it's been, it's been flip-flop today to where you think, well, i got to get this, this video screen in front of me so I can find the right one. Oh, God forbid. I'm not saying God can't intervene and it's not somehow possible, but that's not the habit that God is in. Go to meeting and find one another. Go to uh, spiritual functions and find one another. Sister Tracy and I have talked about, uh, we had some pretty close encounters when she and I were in 11th or 12th grade. They had some kind of a, of a church gathering over here and, and some kind of function over there and I just happened to be at it. She was like, you know, I was at that too and I think, oh, I wish I'd have met her then. <laughs> go, to the, go to the meeting and meet someone. See, Boaz is praising her for her virtue. She's a godly young woman. 
What, what, what is praised out there today? Yeah, we, some of the stuff we can't even mention from the pulpit, right? How much skin can you show? How much filth can you spew out of your mouth? You understand? Boaz praises her. He says, Jehovah, reciprocate thy work and thy labors for what you have done. What did she do? She left where she was. She left a culture that was, that was given to child sacrifice, given to abortion. She left a culture that sacrificed children in the worship of their false gods. And she came to a culture where they, they revered children and they revered the firstborn. <laughs> you see, and she took care of an old woman, a depressed, bitter, sad old woman. I want you to notice this, that in providing for her, he, took, he also provided for her socialization. Listen to me carefully. He says in verse 8, he says, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Neither go from this, but abide here fast by my maidens. He says, I want her to hang around good character people. You know, I've heard it said that if you observe the two or three close friends of someone as they're growing up and, and whatever kind of character those two or three close friends have, well, that's pretty much how that person's going to be. <laughs> you know, if they're smoking marijuana and they're, you know, trying to lure people on TikTok from states away, <laughs> if they're trying to be all that, you know, whatever the situation may be. I'm picking on TikTok today, but it, it needs to be picked on. <laughs> but you understand, if... If that's what they're into and that's what they're hanging out with and they're partying and all this type of stuff, well, that's what they're going to be. Now, God can intervene. Don't forget that. I'm not talking about a legalistic life where you never do anything wrong and never step out of line. You know, God's mercy can, can go take someone like Rahab, who was a harlot, and make her a heroine. You see, she became a hero. God's grace is sufficient, but it's not in the habit of doing that. You see? So not only did Boaz provide for her physically, emotionally, she al he also put her in an environment where she would be around some good people. <laughs> oh, I believe I'm speaking to some good, not just good, but some great people here today. <laughs> I love you from the tip of my toes to the top of my head and beyond. I love you so much. I'm so thankful for your virtue and for your moral character and for your desire to serve and to worship. I know you're not perfect, and guess what? The one that's speaking to you is not perfect. But praise God, I want to be around people that will make me better and inspire me and make me want to do better. I feel to be the least of the saints among you. But I want to learn from you. I want to be around you. I want to rub shoulders with you. You see, that's what we should desire. And I know situations, sad situations, where... A man or a, or a husband cared nothing for that and allowed the socialization of his spouse or his girlfriend or whatever to continue to follow the path of destruction. You see, Boaz was not like that. Because guess what? If, if that activity continues, if that associ those associations, those socializations continue, it's, it's not going to be healthy. It's not going to promote godliness, right? <laughs> You see how important it was that Ruth left her culture and came from such a ruined, child-sacrificing culture to where she was? Isn't it glorious that she did? 
And now all that stress she felt and the death of her husband and the the death of her father-in-law and the death of her brother-in-law and the travels and the, the poor situation that they were in, now she's breathing sighs of relief. Not only do I look different, not only do I seem different than all these others, now this man has provided a, a place for me to socialize. Let me tell you, there's no better place than the church of God for people to socialize. That's why we get together. That's why we fellowship. You know, your reality is what you make it. If you want your reality to to be something that's connected to the church of God, then you make that your reality. That's called repentance. That's called following the Lord. You see, I love what my father in the ministry shared with me many years ago. He said, Brother Tim, it's Brother Lonnie Mazingo Jr. He said, Brother Tim, just remember this. And I was waiting for that just incredible jaw-dropping bit of advice. And it was. But it was so simple. I was like, really? That's it? And he's so right. He said, Brother Tim, just remember this. People are going to do what they want to do. People are going to do what they want to do. You want to go to church? You'll be at church. You want to fellowship? You'll fellowship. You want to pray? You'll pray. You want to study the Word of God? You'll do it. People are going to do what they want to do. You see, Boaz is assisting Ruth and creating a reality for her life that would involve socializing with godly people. Men, should that not be our goal for our wives? There'll never be a circumstance where I'll tell Sister Tracy, well, why don't you go out there down there and hang out with, you know, with those that are partying and those that are, by the way, those that were partying in high school, that many of them still doing the same thing. I don't want her down there. I want her protected from that. I want her socialized with me. <laughs> and I want her socialized with you. You see, that's what Boaz is doing for her. I'm not going to get through this today. <laughs> We're going to have to keep on plugging here. Not only did he provide for her, and these things overlap now, provide, protect, preserve. They all have overlapping qualities. It's not like, well, I'll do this and well, I'll do this. They all kind of overlap. He protected her physically. Notice he says in verse 8, he says, Go not and glean in another field, neither go from hence, my daughter, but abide here. Let thine eyes be on the field that they reap and go after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? He was providing for her physical care. Now, today, like you take that example that I gave to you there where the young woman saw this guy on TikTok and travels three or four, uh, three or four states away. That guy's not interested in, prefer- in preserving her physical well-being. You understand? That guy is interested in fornication. That guy is interested in some kind of fling. And that fling, that fornication led to that young woman going to jail. You see? Here's a man that is interested in preserving not only the protection, but also the virtue of Ruth. He said, I don't want none of these young men to touch you. That was not him making a move and it was not romantically motivated. He was just being the good, virtuous man that he was. I don't want you to be molested. I don't want you to be touched. They're not going to bother you. Young men. You say, that's the, some young men, I don't know nobody here, but there might be some young men that say, that's the nerdiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, then call me a nerd with a capital N because it's right. And it, it, it avoids the temporary destruction of temporary pleasure and it leads to a lifetime of God blessing the joys of a relationship in marriage. He was concerned with her physical well-being, her protection and her virtue. And he was also concerned with her emotional well-being. He let her sit with the reapers. He let her sit with 
those uh, men that worked for him. And then, as I told you, he provided behind the scenes. It says, and this is where we'll close today, because i got some more that I would like to say about this, Lord willing. It says, when she was risen up, verse 15, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, now this was unprecedented, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. You understand what he was saying? The, the, glean, the gleaners, the beggars, would never get near the reapers who were reaping down the wheat and the corn and all that stuff. They stayed back because they would push them back. Say, so you're not allowed by law to be here. Well, here Boaz says, do not push her back. Let her even glean among those that are reaping down the wheat and the corn and the other crops. Do not resist her. Tell her to get back. And he says this, And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Not only did he... See, these beggars were picking up what people accidentally dropped. Boaz looks at his work crew and he says, Now listen... Don't push her back whenever she comes close to you and gets in among the sheaves and intentionally drops some corn and some wheat. Piles of it just so she'll have enough to take home for her. (laughs) Poor mother-in-law. Now that's something, isn't it? Can y'all see how this is pinching him? It's getting in his pocketbook. And he doesn't care. (laughs) Because he knows that what he has is to be used for the glory of God. And on this day, when many days had gone by in the harvest and there had been a lot of the reaping taking place and they were harvesting the crop, but on this particular day, this young woman comes to his place. It was her hap to come to his particular place. And as he sees her, he sees an opportunity not only to just, just do what's right, but to glorify Jehovah, to glorify God. I tell you, that's a great intent for a young man. I just want to glorify God by providing and by preserving and by protecting the young ladies and the women in my life. Revolutionize the way that you think. It will will revitalize marriages that have grown cold. And it all comes down to looking at these examples like Boaz and just implementing them. Man, you can do this today. Boys, young men, you've been stressing out your mom. Moms are fixing to love me. You've been stressing out your mom, not picking up your clothes, not getting things washed, look, make your, your room looks like a pigsty. I know, I've been there. Like You could put pigs in there and probably clean it up better than you. I've been there. You've been stressing out your mom because you don't pick up your old dirty boots and you don't pick up you know, your, your wrappers and you don't pick up you know, your cup that I leave sitting there and it makes a ring on the table. Don't you love me, moms? You want to be Boaz? Pick it up. Relieve her. Take the stress off of her. You already stress her out enough. <laughs> I've told you about dear old dad. And that, that example comes back and just pops me in the face all the time. You know, dear old dad, when mom needed $20 to go to town, dad gave her 40 when mom needed 100 to go and buy a dress, he gave her 200 When mom said, I'm going to buy a dress, she'd come home with five. Now look, I'm not saying, well, daddy was her sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Although in a sense he was, but I'm not talking about, you know, d- dad was not going in the poor house because he was providing and protecting and preserving mom. 
you know, you got to be reasonable. You know, work within your means. But you can do like Sister Tracy did with me. First birthday. We just had an incredible birthday. Turned 50. You all know what she did for me. What an amazing, amazing thing. And as amazing as that was, I think back to the first birthday that we spent together. I told y'all, she's probably going to kill me for saying that, but she, she didn't hardly have two nickels to rub together. She used her last little bit of money she had, and she knew I loved KFC. She went and bought me a little box of KFC and bought me a little cap because she knew I liked to wear caps. And we went to the park. That was the first birthday that I shared with her. Y'all see, it still sticks with me. She spent about the last thing that she had just to give me a little birthday present. She was doing the best that she had with what she had. You understand? It may be taking her to buy one dress and you buy five if you have the money. Or it may be just getting what you know she likes. Maybe it's Zaxby's. Maybe it's KFC. Let it pinch your pocketbook. Because that's honoring and glorifying to our Lord Jesus Christ. Provide, protect, preserve. Do you realize if the men of this nation would take in a fourth of what I'm telling you here today, do you realize how it would revolutionize the families of this nation? If the men would rise up and do what is required of them according to the Word of God, you say, well, I just don't think I can Im- implement it, Brother Tim. Look, it, it, because of your example, it's just not quite good enough for me. Then look to the example of the super husband, Christ. Look to the example of the superman who gave away everything that he had. He, uh, he, ascended, he descended from his throne of, of the universes. And he gave away his life. He gave away his passion. He gave away his energy. He gave away his emotion. He gave away everything to take your sin upon him and expunge it completely. I tell you, that's the best example that you could look to. You can do it. We can do it. By the grace of God.